Hey, how's it going? This is Quad, and in this episode, I want to tell you about this paper in immunology published in Nature Biotechnology in 2020. The title of the paper is Analyzing the Mycobacterium Tuberculosis Immune Response by T cell receptor clustering with GLIF2 and genome wide antigen screening. But before we get into the paper, please、uh, take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. Just Hit that subscription button on whatever way, whatever platform you use to get this podcast. And if you can, rate it, comment, let me know how I'm doing, how I can make things better. I want to know how I'm doing and keep doing this, keep delivering you the latest papers, get the most juicy part and tell you in、uh, maybe easier to understand way. So this podcast will get better and better and better. And hopefully, You are one of those early ones to make that happen. It's 1 a.m., and yesterday I wanted to start the podcast because I was reading paper and I wanted to deliver this complicated paper in an easy way to the world. And I'm glad that I used Anchor.fm because I went to their website, made an account, made a recording, and boom, boom, bam, I have my first podcast. And tonight, I finished my second podcast with Anchor. So, if you want to tell the world something that you're passionate about, download the free Anchor app or go to the anchor.fm to get started. I want to start by just summarizing it. So, Paper did this, it figured out the Specific proteins、um, from a pathogen named Mycobacterium tuberculosis. So it's a pathogen, it's a bacteria. This bacteria will have a lot of things on its surface. It secretes a lot of things. It's, 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 it's a foreign stuff, right? And some of these things trigger your immune cells to、uh, bind to this pathogen and kill it, get rid of them, do lots of cool things. Defense mechanisms. And some of the things from the pathogen don't do that. Some do, some don't. And the things from pathogen that trigger your immune cells to react very well or react at all, actually, anything that from pathogen that can cause your immune cells to react against this pathogen, basically, these are like the red flags of the pathogen, right? They're called epitopes. And we No immune cells work in some ways, in general, big picture, but we don't know what exactly of a pathogen、uh, is causing your immune cells to mount attack against them. So, in this paper, they figured out that、uh, thing, or at least identified one of that epitope that causes your immune cells to react well in MTB. And the paper has, I think, let's see, three different parts I would break it down into. Part one, they generate a bunch of data. Basically, they、um, first identify T cells that react well to MTB. Something in this MTB is causing these T cells to say, hey, I found you, MTB, I want to come after you and come out attack. And then next, they sequenced these reactive T cells receptors. T cell receptor is big, and they sequenced the reactive T cell receptors. Then they 
clustered. Basically, they grouped these T cell receptors by its um, sequence structure into uh, groups. The idea is that if, if you have, let's say, tens of thousands of T cell receptors that react to MTB, it takes a long time to understand what is exactly causing this good immune reaction. But if you group the T cell receptors into, let's say, 10 groups, 20 groups, whatever, then now the problem is tractable because you can say that, hey, there are about 10 or 20 ways of uh, detecting MTB stuff. So let's understand these 20, right? That's the idea. And then the Glyph 2 algorithm that they used also can predict what HLA uh, alleles are used to do this immune activation. So let me just give you a quick background of HLA. So HLA alleles are your DNA, you know, it's basically name given to a specific sequence in human genome. You have it, I have it, everybody has it. Now, your HLA alleles can be very different than mine. And uh, there are so many different kinds of HLA allele. So basically your DNA and my DNA have many differences, but especially in the regions of HLA allele sequences, we have way more differences than normal. And if you are infected with a pathogen, let's say coronavirus or flu virus, whatever, and if I'm infected with the exact same virus, let's say exactly the same, everything else the same, environment, let's say you and I are monozygotic twins, how about that? You and I are exactly the same. And you and I are, in, oh, actually, no, we cannot be monozygotic twins because then our genomes are exactly the same. How about you and I are very same in every way except in our HLA alleles? Then um, if you and I are infected with the exact same pathogen, then your cells will display like fragments of that pathogen to your immune cells and say, hey, immune cell, or hey, call nine, basically it's like calling 911. 911 and say, what's your emergency? Say, hey, I found this particle from my neighborhood and it's pretty, pretty dangerous and causing a lot of inflammation or causing lots of uh, toxins and all these things. Can you please take care of it? So that's kind of, a, um, you know, your body uh, alerting the adaptive immune system to say, hey, take care of the problem. And when, you, when your body does that, your body uses the protein derived from your HLA allele to do this uh, alerting of the uh, immune system. And my body will use my HLA allele derived proteins to do this alerting system. So basically think of like you use iPhone to call police and I use Android to call police. That's kind of the idea, right? We're both calling the police. We're both causing some kind of a defense mechanism against pathogens, but you are doing it with your device. I'm doing it with my device. And there are more than 20,000 different devices in human, human, uh, in human that we know of today. And that's what HLA alleles are. You not only need the police, but you also need these phones to call them. And uh, some police will uh, accept more calls from one phone device and then the other. And maybe iPhones are better than Android in this place and that place. So there's this, uh, you know, there's this difference in affinity between the immune system, immune cells and HL alleles. I guess I digressed a lot. I'm sorry about that. But... I wanted to just tell you how um, this algorithm will cluster T cell receptors into tractable number of groups, and then it predicts the HL alleles that is doing this uh, uh, immune cell activation. Okay. 
And then the, that's the second part of the paper. First part is figuring out T cells and getting the receptor sequencing them. Second part, using this glyph algorithm to uh, find patterns in the uh, uh, T cell receptors that maybe that's that's maybe causing good immune reaction against MTB. And then predicting the HLA alleles used to trigger this immune, uh, trigger the call, uh, trigger the um, activation of these these immune reactions. Okay. And then the third part is this: the paper uses a special uh, system, actual experimental system. I think this is really cool. They did this. It's just, you know, to me, it looks like badass experiment to me. They basically said, okay, because of the glyph and all this, we think these three T-cell receptors are the best receptors when it comes to um, acting or uh, detecting mycobacterium tuberculosis. These top three, okay? Now, you the, the 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 experimentalists in this paper whoever did i don't know but they express these t-cell receptors on um a cell they have a cell that can express any t-cell receptor they express these t-cell receptors and then when these cells t-cell receptors bind to something a bunch of you know cellular signal will take place and eventually many things turn on and off one of them is i, I guess transcription factor and fat it's a it's a protein that's in the cell when activated they go to many places including the dna of this cell and cause activation of other proteins and so forth our other genes and basically it's like like a like a it's just a signaling you know turn one on the different thing turns on and all these things we still don't know the detail but eventually the activation of the t cell receptor that's forcefully expressed on this cell is going to be uh um, it's going to lead to some kind of a signal like luciferase or and then the experimentalist can say ah this t-cell that's expressing my t-cell receptor of interest did uh, t-cell receptor based activation and i see the signal so that's the detection and then not any not everyone can actually activate t-cells equally there are cells called antigen presenting cells and they are really good at activating uh, T-cells. And the paper actually also has this toy model of antigen-presenting cells that they use to present antigen to cause this T-cell receptor activation. So Glyph2 found really, really good reactive T-cell receptors. And then the experimentalists put these receptors on these uh, um, uh, T-cells that can light up when they, they bind to stuff. And then now we know the receptors and the Glyph2 algorithm, by the way, also told you what HLAs are really good at uh, calling the T-cell receptors to bind, right? So I guess the APC, the antigen-presenting cells, will also have these HLAs uh, in it because we know these are good uh, protein HLA sequences to elicit this reaction. So they package these HLA stuff into APC as well. And then the, the third thing that's missing, other than the receptor and HLA is the antigen, the specific thing from the MTB that causes this uh, receptor um, HLA um, trigger binding. And this is what's cool about this paper. The paper actually um, makes bunch of synthetic proteins based on the DNA of MTB. By the way, MTB has a huge genome in you know in the world of pathogens and the paper will make a bunch of synthetic proteins that they think are 
you know, transcri transcribable from MTB, and then one by one by one challenge this reporting T cell uh, via antigen presenting cell. And then in this process, the paper will find the particle from the MTB that causes good immune reaction. So now we figured out the receptor that causes good reaction. We identified the HLA alleles that are good at presenting stuff to cause this reaction. And finally, we found the thing that gets presented to cause this good reaction. It's kind of working backwards, but you get to eventually figure out the epitope of MTB that can give uh, immune cells a really good reaction. And this is important because a lot of the times we know what the pathogen is, but we don't know what from the pathogen causes good reaction. And this is key for um, vaccine making and also predicting if somebody's going to recover from some kind of infection or not, because we know good reaction from immune system against pathogen leads to good survival, good health a lot of times. So if we know the the thing that causes this good reaction, then we can make that happen. And also we can um, screen people that, that doesn't have this good reaction to help them have this good reaction. And there's just many avenues of um, avenues in medicine. But um, I guess I talked too much about the summary of this paper, but that's the summary of the paper. It got T cells, their receptors, sequenced them, clustered these receptors, found the interesting receptor patterns, identified HLA that, that works well with these found uh, receptor patterns, and then eventually did a huge proteomic screening to figure out the protein, the thing from the MTB that causes a good immune reaction. And all of this lies on the premise that, or all of this is um, based on the fact that that these the initial, the step one, the T cells that they used, the receptors are already good reacting. And then when they found these patterns of these receptors that are already good reacting, they further selected the best reacting three T cell receptors. And then they found the thing that causes the reaction of these best T cell receptors. So that is the summary of the paper. And the next, I want to tell you about um, how GLYF2 clusters the uh, T cell receptors. So the same uh, experimental group, I think also came up with Glyph algorithm that I didn't read about yet. But it's basically a way to cluster T cell receptors by their sequence. I think it's by their amino acid sequence, but I'm not sure. And let's read a little bit about that from this paper. Um, they, the, the algorithm focuses on the uh, complementary determining regions because T cell receptor is big and not every part is used to bind to the HLA. MHC, uh, antigen, basically foreign things. So you just got to worry about the part that binds to the foreign things. And that's this uh, complementary determining region, or let's just call it CDR. And the 
algorithm is going to uh, do clustering and there are four things about this algorithm that I just want to highlight. One, a one TCR can be assigned to more than one cluster. Okay, I think it sounds very simple, but it's kind of profound because when I do lots of different kind of analysis, right, usually things just go from the center outwards. There's no um, outwards to center. When I say outwards, I mean center is like one, right? And then you go farther and farther, you, you find smaller and smaller pieces of signal and then you divide the data into chunks and that's how kind of clustering works. And then you're left with, let's say, five, if you have 10 clusters, then you're left with 10 different unique signal patterns. But here, a TCL receptor can be assigned to more than one cluster so that if you find a signal patterns, you can later you reuse these patterns to reclaim some of the TCRs that may be dominant in other clusters, but also in this cluster. So that's, uh, that, to me, that's an important assumption that can make many clustering algorithms behave differently and improve them. Anyways, and the second thing that I wanted to tell you about this glyph to algorithm is that they do uh, um, global uh, similarity clustering and local clustering. For the global clustering, they make sure that the thing that they're clustering are generally alike. So how do I capture it mathematically? What's generally like? Well, they make sure that the sizes of things being clusters are similar. And then they are okay with having different amino acid sequences as long as those amino acid sequences are exchangeable. So some amino acids are very similar to each other and is less important for them to you know, be, let's say, amino acid glycine or amino acid proline. Sometimes the you know, effect is small. And people have figured out this um, exchangeable amino acid pairs and this, you know, global similarity clustering way, you know, make sure the size is the same and little differences here and there based on the, you know, similar amino acid change. Eh, it's okay. We consider that to be a small change. So that's kind of big picture clustering. And then there's this more uh, local similarity motif based clustering where they uh, are, they focus heavily on positions of the CDRs and they, uh, they are strict and uh, they restricted the position of the CDR motif to only vary within three amino acids. So they are they have these two uh, big picture and the focused modalities. And I think it's a very, very nice way of um, trying to capture true biology. And then the last thing that I want to tell you about this algorithm is that um, they weigh things. They have amino acids, right? But not every amino acid is equally important when it comes to, uh, you know, grouping T cell receptors is because I guess some uh, motifs, including N and P encoded amino acids, these are very conserved. And because they're conserved, you can weigh them more when you are clustering things. So if you have a similarity in these conserved places, then that's probably like important. And uh, if you have less um, conserved sequence similarities, that means different things than having more conserved sequence similarities. And also that it says that the, um, the N and P encoded amino acids are given extra weights because they are more random than germline encoded sequences. So these conserved sequences, right? It looks like they're more random 
and wouldn't it be more cool if you are if you have more random stuff now aligning right more random stuff or grouping together are alike that means there's more like a causality or more like a like a some kind of a trigger that's making that randomness to be less random so that's why they're weighting that more so i like this algorithm i don't i have not read the glyph one and by the way even if you read the glyph one to understand an algorithm right you have to re-implement it without re-implementing it from scratch you don't know it <laughs> so that's why from reading this paper i'm okay understanding this this much about this algorithm and the key is it combines biological insights and um, it also tries to avoid simplistic clustering by just looking at the global sequence similarity uh, by looking at the letter similarity so they combine the fact that in general the receptors should be alike specifically locally receptors should be more alike and there are also amino acids that are more random in nature like the conserved ones that when aligned should mean more for clustering than uh, more you know less random stuff and also a receptor can go to multiple groups suggesting you know hey we're finding biology we're not finding structure well once we find biology that biology can link to many things so that feeling of embracing kind of more chaotic biological system is something that i like about this algorithm <music> And finally, I want to go over the paper from the beginning till the end. Just skim through it and make sure there's nothing else that I highlighted, but I forgot to tell you. So title and abstract from abstract. Just want to emphasize again that they looked at 19,044 unique T-cell receptor sequences from 58 individuals. And then they challenged the... Uh, good t-cell receptors with 3724 distinct proteins covering 95 percent of mtb protein coding genes to figure out the causal uh, epitope and in the paragraph one of intro i highlighted how it's very important for cd4 t-cells to uh, help your immune system people with hiv infections with without good treatment have low cd4 t-cells susceptible to many dangerous infections that are rare in regular people so that's why cd4 t-cells are important backbones of the immune system and i also highlighted how epitopes can be proteins made by made from rna which came from dna so dna the rna the protein simple ones but also after proteins are made in pathogens these proteins can go through many many post-translation modifications to change so yes this paper made a synthetic 3724 distinct proteins covering 95 percent of mtv protein coding genes but these proteins might also be much different than what the what what, what what's being made here because these proteins can go through further changes after being transcribed and translated so that's the second paragraph and i also um highlighted in the second paragraph that there is a way to isolate T cells that are reactive versus non-reactive, and they the paper used this method to um, isolate out the T cells that reacted well to the MTB uh, stimulation. 
in the third paragraph, I highlighted how Glyph algorithm focuses a lot on the CDR3 region. That's the third paragraph. Fourth paragraph, I highlighted again the fact that they've created uh, synthetic proteins by looking at the open reading frames of the MTB genome. And then they uh, create this antigen that were later endocytosis and processed by the antigen presenting cell, the toy one. And these antigen presenting cells, uh, one by one, they did a bunch of these experiments, right? And, and then um, try to stimulate the T cell receptor that they identified with glyph 2. And uh, that ends the introduction part of the highlights. And let's get into the results part. Results section one is titled the CD4 T cell response repertory to MTB. So I highlighted how, again, they isolated a bunch of T cells There's, that's reactive to MTB stimulation. And from there, sequenced a bunch of T cell receptors. And so they did that using 24 latently infected individuals. These people have previously seen MTB infections. So their blood have immune cells that can be reactivated when these immune cells see the thing that activates them, the MTB things. So by taking the blood from these previously infected people and you know exposing them to MTB juice, you can MTB juice contain MTB and basically everything from MTB, right? Then you can uh, stimulate those memory T cells, and then they use some method to remove, uh, isolate the T cells that get activated. And then you can take out their receptors and sequence them and then feed that into the glyph to cluster that. So I highlighted that. And then the next part of the results section that's titled glyph 2. Um, I highlighted things that I already told you about the glyph 2. One receptor can go to multiple clusters. They do the general clustering, looking at the big picture size and then the allowing small differences to pass by these differences are exchangeable amino acids and then they have this local clustering that's more strict and they uh, allow only few amino acid change between the um, uh, sequence uh, receptors in a group and then they also weigh different changes in amino acid differently when they compute the difference in the receptors they give extra weight to n and p encoded amino acids because they are more randomly distributed in nature so that their grouping should be more important and surprising. That's why. And then let's move on to the paragraph next. Next paragraph, I didn't highlight anything. This paragraph just talks about how their method is better than their previous method and other methods. Um, you have to do that when you have a methods paper, I guess, computational methods paper. And then the next part of the results section is titled Glyph 2 Analysis of the MTB-Specific T-Cell Repertory. So here I highlighted how uh, they use, you know, Fisher's test. I guess this part is not too important. I highlighted, ah, there's an important part here. When they did the glyph, right, how many clusters did they find? They found, they created 354 clusters. And then each cluster contained at least three unique T-cell receptors from three or more individuals and exhibited a significant V-gene bias. V-gene is the V-gene the, from the V-DJ recombination. So you have to have a good V-gene I mean, the idea is that the V genes are more important than others, so the receptors with the more uh, 
input from the vgin or influence from the vgin is probably better. So that's the idea. So they have 354 clusters derived from like 20,000 or so T cell receptor sequences. And then among these 354, 119 were reactive to something called MTV Megapool. Basically, somebody somewhere in the past created this like, juice, a solution containing a bunch of uh, mycobacterium tuberculosis derived stuff. And then 300, I mean, 119 receptors groups identified by the glyph uh reacted to these things okay that's a good thing right we know th these things should these receptors should react to the mtb uh megapole peptides collection of mtb derived things but the other 235 of them were only reactive to things in the uh not in the pool but to the lysate basically the grind the grind the ground the grinded i guess uh, MTBs, real MTBs. So you have this collection of stuff that's supposedly from MTB, 119 reacted. And you have this real MTB, like a juice. You, you break MTB into pieces and you you know make a real juice of MTB. And then 300, 235 of the other, the other majority uh, reacted to that, but not to the lysate. And this suggests that uh, even very large peptide pools, right, capture only a small fraction of possible antigens. This is interesting because if somebody says, hey, I have a collection of antigens from coronavirus or from, you know, tuberculosis, E. coli, whatever, you should be thinking probably that collection is less than like a representative of everything that's possibly derivable from that pathogen. So that's a good lesson uh, right there. And in the same paragraph, I also highlighted how there were uh, receptors that are only reactive to not things from the megapole, but from the lysate, and they reacted really, really well. And then the paper uh, from now on because it's going to focus on these three receptors and do their um, APC antigen presenting cell antigen screening with these three receptors because now the chance of finding a new thing is higher because the megapole didn't have the thing that triggers them, but these things got triggered really, really well. And there are three different groups from Glyph 2. There's something going on. That's the idea. And then that's why the paper focused on these three uh, receptors. Okay, and next paragraph. Um, they talk about how they... Uh, how these three groups... Uh, yes, there are three groups, but when you look at individuals, one person at a time many people had T-cell receptors that belong to one of these three groups, but these people had different HLA alleles, but still were able to make T-cell receptors that belong to this group. And this shows that, um, the, yes, people can have different HLA alleles, but we could end up making similar T-cell receptors. And that's well depicted in the figure 1C. Let me scroll it up and explain that little part of the figure to you. So here, y-axis, each row is a HLA allele and each, and then it, it, it tells you how many uh, number of groups that this HLA allele uh, contributed to. And um, there isn't this top allele contributed to from zero to seven different groups out of 100. So 
So it contributed to about 7% of all the groups that Glyph found. So this shows how even if you have, let's say, handful of HR alleles in your genome, the combination of them can lead to uh, high diversity of T-cell receptors. Okay, and the next part of the result is titled A Global Screen of the MTB Proteome. And basically here they um, have this toy, uh, you know, APC cell that expresses HLA DMS CD80 and they're so good at taking things and showing, presenting this thing to the T cell. And that's their, uh, like uh, the worker, worker, working, worker bee, right? Just showed one antigen, next antigen at a time from the synthetically made uh, antigen collection based on the uh, MTB genome. Um, and then, by the way, that collection is different from the mega pool that I mentioned earlier. The mega pool was made by somebody else in the past somewhere that was used to test the T-cell receptor response. And they, again, I'm going to repeat that part. They found, the Glyph found 350-some clusters, and one, the receptors motif from the 119 of them reacted well to the things from that collection megapool, but not to the uh, MTB lysate. And then the other majority, 230 or so uh, motifs the Glyph found, reacted not to anything from the megapool, but to the lysate. So that's the megapool used to see the responsible receptors. And here, once you identify the good receptors, and they basically picked those three that reacted not to anything in the megapool, but exclusively well to the lysate, they challenged these receptors with uh, possible proteins that can be made from the MTB genome. And how do you do this challenge? Well, they feed this uh, antigen one at a time to antigen presenting cell, which is going to show this antigen to this to another toy cell that's going to have this cool receptor one by one by one. And if this antigen gets presented, getting presented by the APC is good, then this T cell receptor is going to react and signal. So that's their um, kind of a validation system, a screening system. And uh, here I highlighted how they produce a bunch of proteins looking at 3,294 open reading frames um, based on um, some kind of genome resource, not too important. Overall, creating 3,724 distinctive proteins. This covers 95% of the MTB genome. And then once they found the thing that triggers the these receptors, they were able to show that even if you dilute the amount of this, this ant the epitope that triggers this T cell receptor thousandfold uh, than the baseline, still these T cells are activated. So that shows how this specificity is really, really robust. It has high signal to noise ratio. And then I also highlighted the next part. So they figured out this epitope that causes uh, strong immune reaction. And then what the, what they did next is figure out exact amino acid motif that are critical in this uh, immune activation. And they found a highly conserved epitope 
and they found that this epitope that triggered really strong response of these three receptors is from PPE family of a MTB bacteria. And it looks like PPE family is very uh, immuno immunogenic. People knew about that. And it has a high conserved N-terminal domain. And then they thought maybe uh, we infect, maybe there are many other proteins from PP family that can also cause this strong immune reaction. So then now they go and collect a bunch of other PP family proteins. And then they uh, challenged the good T cell receptors, again, discovered by the glyph, with a bunch of these PP family proteins. And then they collect the scoring of uh, activation. And then with now they have active activation profile of a bunch of PP proteins, right, against this motif. And then they can create like a like a little cartoon of what pathogenic protein activates this strong motif and to further characterize this activation um, at amino acid level. And it looks like there is a, there are a few amino acids at certain places that are critical for activating strong immune reaction. And st stimulation potency can be very different between a peptide and its original protein too which means even if you have really strong protein uh, sequence that can bind really well with the T-cell receptors motif, the things around this uh, epitope can also change how good their activation is. So you not only have to have a good uh, epitope that, can, that's, that binds well to T-cell receptor, but you also have to have flanking good sequences to help your HLA derived proteins to present you better and etc etc so it supports the idea that many factors can contribute to the process of epitope and the displaying of it by the uh, antigen presenting cells so that's everything I highlighted before the discussion and discussion just goes through the whole paper in a you know in a text format and uh, there's one last thing that I wanted to highlight in this paper that I think is probably the most impactful to me personally, which is we know that diverse immune reaction is a good reaction because you, yeah, Glyph found 300, you know, 400 different groups and they had this differences in the uh, activation profile against MTB. And they when they picked a really good, well-activated MTB uh, T-cell receptors against MTB, they were able to use that to fish out the protein to activate them and they found out this PP family motif and all that. But the biology also made many other receptors, right? And they can cover some maybe not too important things and some of them are minor, but still your body created T-cells or um, your body valued T-cells that had activation against more subtle things. And if you look at all the T-cell receptors, the diversity of things that these T-cell receptors react against is high. And that probably means good immune response. I don't know, but probably. And then the author also suggests that to be the case. He says, a more diverse response is likely to be a more protective one. But if, we, if this is true, then we could probably use some kind of a diversity metric to score a patient's immune response. For example, if you are 
a patient getting infected by something to figure out if you are going to be okay or not. Maybe we can see how diverse your um, receptor responses are. Or in another, in another example, we give you vaccine and then we want to see how well you are, your body responded to the vaccine. Was the vaccine effective to you or not? We know um, younger people are more more reactive or they do better with influenza vaccine and their immune system gets boosted more than older people. Maybe this is because in younger people, the um, diversity of T-cell receptor that gets made, diversity of T-cells with specific receptor, right? It's more than the diversity of those made by the older people. If that is the case, then we can come up with some kind of a score assay to score that. And I don't think that's too difficult to do, but it probably requires um, T-cell receptor sequencing, but there must be other surrogates to measure that T-cell receptor um, diversity. Hmm. So that's something that was interesting to me and something that I could be uh, thinking about. So anyways, so that concludes the entire paper. I summarized it in the beginning and talked about glyph in a little bit of detail. And then finally, we went through the whole paper from the beginning till the end and make sure that I didn't miss any cool things that I highlighted. Thank you for tuning in and we just read a recent paper in Nature Biotechnology by Mark Davis Lab titled Analyzing the Mycobacterium Tuberculosis Immune Response by T-cell Receptor Clustering with GLYF2 and Genome-Wide Antigen Screening. And I want to read more paper and want to make the way I deliver this information to you better one podcast, one paper at a time. So please support this process and let's make this better. Please subscribe to this podcast and please let your friends know. Please rate it. Please comment. Let me know how I can make things better. Thank you so much and I will see you in the next episode. Cheers.